Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, it's Blood Harris from the Panther Ranch Podcast. It's Friday, and this week's been a blur for me. Well, I've been home all week. I'm working from home. My daughter's been sick with the flu. And she got a flu shot, but still got the flu. And pretty much with the flu shot, you can still get the flu. It's just it's a weaker strain of it. So that's pretty much what my daughter has. And, you know, that's news to me. I always thought, you know, flu shot blocked a lot of it. But the thing is, uh, if I remember correctly, a lot of, a lot of the uh, strains from the flu shot are usually strains from the year before. So every year there's always a new different strain of the influenza virus. And, well, there you have it. I did record a podcast, I think, on Monday. Never uploaded it. And, yeah, just never got around to it. But I'm doing a fresh one now. So first we start with Pit Hoops. Yeah, Pit Hoops is coming off a big win against Florida State. And one thing you can say about the team is, well, well for one thing, if they don't, you know, Clemson, you know, not Clemson, I'm sorry, North Carolina, North Carolina obviously was a punch to the throat. You know, to let them know that every game was going to be a doghouse. But the Louisville game was a game it had to have, and they and they got it. And you could tell how important that game was because that game now has given this team a whole boatload of confidence. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with NC State. And that game itself, well, it started off with Wyatt Walker, who happens to go to the same school as... Uh, Grayson Allen, same high school. That game started off with, uh, you know, him pulling some uh, leg of uh, Xavier Johnson because the play was over. Wyatt Walker was on the floor. And Johnson's foot grazed Wyatt Walker's knee, which in return, in response... Walker grabs the leg of uh, Xavier Johnson, trips him from behind. And, you know, the ACC officials actually, you know, did something right and ejected Walker from the game. And it was funny to watch the announcers... You know, if you if you watch the thing on the ACC network, it was, it was almost as if, you know, Xavier Johnson stomped on his leg... Like you know, like like Walker was the victim. When you know, it was um, you could, you could tell it was obvious. You know, <laughs> Walker was no victim. It was just an accident. I, I, know, I know, you know, some athletes have issues with their knees and people stepping on them, whatever. But this was this was no this was an accident. And then 
for for Walker to you know react like that was ridiculous. And I think if it happens in the middle of the game, he probably doesn't get ejected. The fact that it happened so early in the game prompted the ejection. And you know what? His ass probably needed to go sit somewhere and go cool off. But as far as the game went, you know, Pitt played a hell of a game, and I thought there was times NC State was going to blow them out or blow it open. But, you know, Pitt held true, and the problem is is uh, there's a lot of opportunities Pitt had they just couldn't take advantage of. And by the end of the game, NC State got hot and started knocking their shots down, and that was it. You know, Pitt had really no answer. But, uh, you know... Trey McGowan's is shooting more, almost more, I think, as many three throws in a season already than Pitt had last year. I mean, Pitt's doing a hell of a job of drawing fouls. I mean, they're, they're doing, they're, you know, when you're undermanned, you're playing smart, and that's what they're doing so far. And Pitt had FS, you know, had Florida State on, on Monday, and it was a ranked, it was, you know, ranked opponent. And, you know, as long as FSU has the, their, the coach they have, you know, Pitt's always got a chance because their coach is just known, you know, to recruit really good, you know, really good players and have good teams. It's just he loses these type of games. And they came off a heartbreaking loss against Duke. So it worked out for Pitt because – they um they get to take advantage of it because obviously Florida State's morale is probably down because they just lost that game in the final seconds where they played their asses off. So Pitt, you know, it worked out for them and they got Syracuse coming Saturday and they're at Syracuse and they're coming off a big win against Duke overtime win. But still, the way this team's been playing, you can never rule them out any game because of how they how they play. I mean, they, they they're they're playing tough. I mean, Terrell Brown, he's uh the guy has got a lot of mojo right now. I mean, he's grown a big pair this season, and he feels like a force to be reckoned with. And if if you watch him. So a lot, you know, it's looking good now. I mean, do I think that, you know, Pitt's going to be some sort of postseason team or something, Tormund team? No. They, um, it's just one of those things where you take each game at a time because you can't rule this team out of any game the way they play. You know, Crazy things happen, but but pretty much every every game they play, it's going to be a dog fight, and they know that, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. And I think you know after you know the North Carolina game was pretty much you know what the coach had instilled these guys that it was always going to be it's going to be a dog fight. But uh, hey, we'll see what happens. I mean. For once, for the first time, probably two years, people were excited about Pitt basketball again. And well, it's probably been a long time actually, because even in the late years of the Dixon era, Pitt basketball wasn't really that exciting anymore. It just um, 
they won games. They went to tournaments. It just, I mean, there was there were some instances where they didn't go to the tournament. They went to an NIT one year, and they went to a CBI, you know, also. But that's when the wheels, you know, start falling off. And speaking of that, um, you know, Jamie's already lost a whole recruiting class at TCU. He's had four players transfer out already. Two of them, the three, the first first three were reserves, but two of the reserves were highly recruited players. One was a JUCO. Another one, I think, was a top 100, top 150 player. So they're already leaving Jamie's program, and they've barely been in it. Now, the one notable was Jalen Fisher, and initially I think there was a lot of shock on this, but if you take a read of the articles, Jalen's Jamie's best player, and for, since last year, Fisher's been having problems with his knees, and he was back on the court earlier this year, and his knees flared up again. And he's done for the rest of the year because of it. And he's decided to transfer out. And the uh, the parting ways seem mutual because I think what it really is is that Fisher is never going to be really um, he's by the time all, all the smoke clears, he's not going to be the player he once was. And I think Jamie decided probably it was best for him to go somewhere where he would be able to compete, you know, to what to what he wants to do. Because, you know, college basketball, especially big, even Big 12, it's a tough league. And you got to have the best players. Nothing in Jamie's case, you know, you know, a fisher's body just can't hold up to this, you know, type of, you know, type of strain anymore so it just is what it is but I mean it's alarming that he's lost four players already you know for his sake you know when he when he lost the whole recruiting class at Pitt he had depth issues I remember he was bringing in just bodies after a while and Hopefully with a more broader recruiting region in Texas, hopefully he doesn't have to deal with that. We're going to bring in actual players. We'll see. But anyways, Pitt football made a hire, as you guys all know as well. Mark Whipple, the uh, head coach at UMass, is coming to Pitt. Whipple's been known for his work, you know, for the Steelers from 2004-2006 with Roethlisberger. And he took some, uh, you know, he bounced around the league, and he eventually went back to UMass, and UMass is now one double, they went from 1A to, they went from 1AA to 1A. They were in the MAC, and now they're independent, and they just haven't been able to win in one double, you know, in the 1A level. I guess they got their asses kicked in the MAC conference and they end up leaving, and now they're just they play independent. And so, really, their the program for the most part is in limbo right now, due to that. Because where they where they go now, you know, you're a one double A team because 
before Whipple went to the NFL, he was the head coach at UMass as well. He won a national he won a national championship at UMass, and also you know, he took took him took him to the, the the playoffs as well. But now he has you know then he comes back to UMass and they're one A. It's a bigger challenge, and he hasn't been able to win at UMass in his second stint at all. I mean, they're, they're still losing, they're losing a lot of games. Although they've had some really good offenses this past year, they had a really good offense. So hopefully, with the new coach, they can turn the tide. But I think we have a lot of um, a lot of, you know programs are now contemplating their move. And where their programs stand. And an example of that is UConn right now. There was an article that came out that UConn made forty th- more than forty million in you know revenue, but they had eight thousand not eight million expenses. And you figure in that, and uh, you figure all those expenses are probably the, the the buyouts of the coaches they they fired, you know, in football and in basketball. Because they had the they had the bio Kevin Ollie, then give um, you know Dan Hurley, you know his contract, and plus Kevin Ollie is suing UConn now, so you have that as well, and now you got a lot of people. You know, especially UConn even questioning their move now. But with UMass, they didn't have really a conference to jump into. I mean, they had the MAC, but UConn when they when they first moved to you know over to one A, they had the Big East. So they had the luxury of just jump eventually just jumping in to the conference, and it paid dividends for them at one for one period. And of course, they end up in the American and. They're stuck now. I mean, they can't. I mean, Randy Edsel to, to keep his offensive coordinator, he had to give the he had to give money out of his own pocket. That's how, that's how bad this is. So I'm not sure where, you, where UMass goes with their program. You know, it's it's hard. Plus, you know, in the region they're in, they're in the very tip of the Northeast, where it's where just Boston College and. So yeah, like I said, I don't know where, where they can go from there. I think UConn, I think the, the the smart move for them would be to probably put their football somewhere else or see if they can remain in the, AC, you know, the AAC as a football-only member. But just take your basketball and move it to the Big East. You know, get back with St. John's and Mark, you know, St. John's, Georgetown, Villanova. Get yourself reacquainted with those guys because it's obviously not working in the AEC. And the AEC isn't a bad basketball league. It's getting there. But it's, it's no Big East. You know, Big East has more established programs. And, you know, for, for a lot of them, they took, they took a back seat when the football-only schools were there because the football-only schools have, have better programs. But now, you know, with them gone, they can they can actually <laughs> win games and you know build their programs now. Not having to deal with you know the football programs. 
But as far as Whipple goes, he obviously is good with the pass game. Running game has been suspect, but you hope it works out. I'm sure it will. I, I mean, I would have loved if uh, Narduzzi would have hired a, um, a you know, like a you know, more of a. I think we were all hoping for a more younger, younger person with, a, with fresh ideas. He went with somebody that was established, and I can't fault him for it. I, I understand. You don't want to hire an up-and-comer up with fresh ideas because you don't know how it's going to go. And you know, you're not sure how much of an ego they would have after a while because some offensive coordinators, even defensive coordinators themselves, like Narduzzi, they have egos. And in a lot of ways, you know, Doozy, it's all about his defense. So I'm sure he doesn't want to be known for his offense, but that's the direction the, you know football is going is offense. You know, we're seeing that right now. So you know, we can crack on the Big Twelve, but people love offense. They love scoring and they love touchdowns, throwing the ball and whatnot. But. We'll see what goes on there. Now, speaking of the whole Narduzzi thing and, you know, pit and stuff and transfers, well, obviously there's a big thing going around, as you guys see on Twitter. It's called the Transfer Portal. Now, in the Transfer Portal, you know, to me it's, it feels like it's one of those applications you have at work, you know, like the HR Portal and Timesheet Portal and benefits portal and all kinds of portals. I mean, you know, you know, the the, uh, the, the timesheet portal is where you go in and you have to freaking track all your time. You know, I spent, I worked 40 hours this week. I spent 20 of it working on this, 20 of it working on that. And you have to put your charge codes in and it's freaking ridiculous. That's one thing I really don't freaking miss about that stuff. I mean, my current job now, we don't do that, thank God. But previous jobs, we had to do that. Oil and gas, we had to do that. We had to to log our times every single week of what we did, you know, and the codes as well. But, yeah. But, anyways, two notables that have entered the transfer portal. Are from Penn State. You got Juwan Johnson, who um, Juwan Johnson, obviously, he's a decent receiver from Penn State. Although he's had problems with the drops, and but when he catches the ball. And another notable is Lamont Wade. Sorry, I keep uh, pausing my podcast because I'm actually working as well, so I get instant messages and emails and whatnot. Lamont Wade is transferring out of Penn State, and this is, you know, obviously a big shock to a lot of people. Supposedly, he, you know, did some more ring up on this, and supposedly Wade was slight was he was actually slated to be starting next year. 
that you know the staff had high hopes for him. But but what I'm reading this is this transfer thing is not so much about playing time; it's more about personal. I think Lamont has a child, for one thing. But I also read that he's an aspiring rapper as well, and I guess you can't, you know, if you're a rapper, you obviously can't do much in state college. But I'm not sure where he, you know, if he's going, to, if he wants to go somewhere, wants to not only, not only play football, but do he does, you know, with with hip hop, with you know, with hip hop. I'm not sure where he goes, unless he's. Unless he goes, you know, he's got to go somewhere where, you know, it's happening. At one point, it used to be Pittsburgh, and it really is not so much anymore. Although Jimmy Jimmy Wapo, I guess, you know, he was on the brink of being signed, and you know, because he, he stayed in Pittsburgh, but unfortunately, he he died. He got he got shot and killed. But you know, if he's gonna come back to Pittsburgh to sell his brand and. I guess he here plays for you know, plays for Peter Duquesne, but I would take away to at you know, at Pitt. But I think uh, the way it's going is is I think the staff is probably would probably would have moved on from it. I mean, somehow he got into the um, him and Miles Sanders got into the Southside practice facility and. Took some pictures, you know, at our Beth Pitts practice facility and posted on social media. And of course, there's a bunch of um, oh, trolling going around. I mean, you had George Aston putting the pit helmet on a uh, pit decal on a Penn State helmet. You know, and it was funny, but you know what? I would rather if they be Penn State on the field than doing this trolling crap. You know, it's like, I mean, it was funny what George did, but, but come on, man. You guys just, these guys beat you 51 to 6 and you're clowning on them still. I mean, you can still clown on them, but just, you know, I just would rather beat them on the field than doing this sideshow stuff, but it is what it is. But wherever the lawn ends up, he ends up. I'm sure he probably will end up in a, you know, probably a bigger program. You know, I'm sure Ohio State and a whole bunch of other suitors have come after him as well, but When I read his Twitter the week before, it seemed like he it seemed like he was upset at the staff. I guess maybe they were moving to a different player than him as far as the position goes. But supposedly he was slated to you know to be a star next year. But who knows? We didn't we didn't see him hear, we didn't see or hear much from him after the pit game as well. I mean, he wasn't really making headlines. He was doing more special teams and whatnot. So we'll see. All right, guys, we'll close up here because I'm freaking tired. Of course, I need more coffee, but I see Clemson visited the White House earlier this week. 
and you know the present fed them McDonald's, Wendy's, and some pizza, Berkey and some pizza. Now, obviously, this is a big, well, this creates some sort of an uproar on social media because, well, for one thing, you have the, you have the government shut down. And, of course, the president is feeding the players fast food for their meal, for their White House visit. I mean, I'll admit, I love a good, I love a double quarter pounder. I love, yeah, I love McDonald's still. I mean, I still eat it, even though it's bad for, horrible for me. But as a kid whose parents both worked a lot, you know, a lot of times that's what I got, you know. You know, I mean, fast food then was convenient for, you know, my family because you know they worked a lot and sometimes they just didn't have time to cook I mean when I get home from work it's hard to cook because I get home at like at 6.30 with the kids and you cook and they eat around 7 and by 8.30 they have to go they have to go to bed and if they have homework you got that to deal with But, uh, you know, my mom did a lot of the cooking and, uh, you know, she worked a lot. But there was times where she couldn't cook and my dad would just drop through McDonald's sometimes and or Arby's or whatnot. You know, it was easier. And plus, you know, as a kid, I, I would go outside and run around a lot. So whenever I was eating, I was going and I was out and running around the neighborhood but now how neighborhoods, how things are these days, with it's just hard to let your kid go anywhere now by themselves. I mean, I used to go take my bike, and you know, when I was 10 or 11, I used to take my bike, and I'd ride around the neighborhood. <clears throat> I mean, when you, get your, when you get your two-wheel bike, I mean, that, that's the most awesome thing in the world. I mean, it's like your, it's like your Lexus, or your, you know, whatever. You go. You, you have your you have your you know, your backpack, your fanny pack. You know those were you know the fanny packs for kids were in style at one point, and it was awesome because I could I could I could carry all my candy, and my money, and stuff in it. But you know, you took it and me you can ride it all over the place. But now it's just things are so different now. But, yeah, you know, like I said, I love, you know, I still like my fast food. I just don't give it to my kids as much as I had it. And, you know, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I mean, my kids aren't really big fast food people as it is. And, you know, they like, actually, they like sandwiches more than anything else. And, shoot, I love sandwiches too. Who doesn't like, like a freaking good-ass sandwich? The players, they enjoyed the whole spread. They loved it. So I don't understand why celebrities are tripping over themselves trying to fix this problem. There's nothing to be fixed. At all. The players had a good time. They liked it. 
And I just think the people need to really focus their energies elsewhere than trying to offer tripping over themselves to, you know, to, to give Clemson a meal. I mean, I mean, if you want, if you want to feed anybody, feed the, fur, you know, feed the furloughed workers who are still not being paid for their shutdown. That's where I would go with it. And, you know, personally, if it was me, I probably wouldn't have had Clemson at the White House during a shutdown. I would have had him when it was after. But I get why he did it. You know, this was more of the president playing to his base. It was to say, hey, you know what? I invited Clemson. I had to feed him, but since the government shut down, there's nobody to cook for them. So I bought food out of my own money to feed them. See how that works? So he can blame the government shutdown for having to feed them fast food. In a lot of ways, that makes him look good and the people who oppose him look really bad. But then you got the celebrities now jumping in here wanting to feed them. And it's pretty much, it makes his, his, it makes his opposition look a lot worse. So pretty much the celebrities are now, who are tripping over themselves to fix this issue, they're, they pretty much took the bait on it. And, you know, and that's the thing with, uh, you know, I try to get too deep in the politics, but pretty much with this, that's all really this was, and. You know, all he has to do is play with base, and that's all he did in that in that situation. Is put his play to it, and I'm sure they're eating it up. And of course, his opposition ate it up, and it made him even look even even better. I mean, that's just that's just how it works. But uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, it's Friday. You guys have a good week, and I'm going to freaking hopefully energize myself later today, somehow, some way. And uh, we got Martin King Day off. Well, of course, my, you know, the hospital, we don't, um, we're always open. But our boss gives our department the, the, the day off, and I'm sure a lot of you guys will have, have the day off as well with the kids. But hey, enjoy, if you do enjoy the long weekend, hell to pit. Talk to you later, guys.